Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and review horror on my blog, KeithRFoster.com. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders Mill Sonda for the Accidental Aliens. So clearly the seltzer, is that a seltzer you're drinking, is immediately getting to you. Uh, I just opened it, but I did take a shot. Okay. Oh, boom. <laughs> right boom. before we got on the pod. Yeah. It was a rough Laker game, so I was... Um... <laughs> I sort of... I was I was thinking of this smart-ass thing. I was going to say... I was thinking, wait, Scott, don't say what Laker game it is, because then you'll date the podcast. But the problem is, if it's a Lakers loss, then it might be any time in March. Right. Yeah, with LeBron and AD out, <laughs> yeah. it's just... just eating a bag of crap every yeah, game yeah, and yeah. this one was brutal 30 points difference and i in the third mm-hmm. and i stopped i'm mm-hmm. like no more no more i don't need this negativity in my life yep good and that's I'm a out. good call that's a good call and i'm out it's 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 supposed to be fun it's supposed to be fun so um all it right definitely was not so i am enjoying uh this is kind of fun because that is not the percentage <laughs> but it's actually 9.99 percent alcohol this is a I hope this is a Depeche Mode reference, but it's the beer Black Celebration. Um, it is an Imperial Porter from Adroit Theory who does all kinds of sick shit. I think I had an Adroit Theory um, IPA last week. I, I they they like they like throwing lactose in their IP in their hazies, which makes them freaking amazing. So uh, this is mm-hmm. actually pretty mm-hmm. good. This is a this is a stone stone smash. If it's going to be nine point nine nine percent, let's get it. Let's get it. So I want to talk about. A random thing just to get started here, which is um, Mm -hmm. I need to give you some props because I've been telling people in conversation that and look, we've only been doing this podcast for a short period of time, but we've known each other for almost 10 years now, which is pretty crazy, by the way. And yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. One of the favorite things um, you have ever said, one of my favorite things you have ever said is when I was referring to the audiobooks being cheating and your line of who's keeping score. Right. And like, I, man, I love that line. I'm, I give it to other people um, just randomly about stuff like that. And what I'm doing is I kind of took a learning from that because there's a larger lesson that I'm trying to take into my personal life, which is, I don't know why I like, I am not, I have never been in debate and I'm currently not in debate. I have never been in politics and, and I am currently not in politics. So why do I feel the need to always address like a dissenter of something I'm doing before I get into the thing I'm doing, you know? So I'm trying to make a conscious effort to not do that kind of stuff and just talk about the stuff I do instead of addressing some kind of invisible opposition that theoretically on on the almighty internet might disagree with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just a waste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a waste. Right. Yeah. And we're not we're not in school anymore. You know, there's certain rules that you had to follow as a youth. And maybe that's why you do certain things and why a lot of people do certain things, you know, like, oh, you oh, you just you you listen to the book. You didn't read it. That's cheating. That's cheating. Teacher, teacher. It's like, hey, we're not in class anymore. You know, however you get the information is how you get the information. If if I'm saying I like the prequel trilogy. Right. And we've talked about this before. I'm fine with the prequel trilogy. However, being fine with the prequel trilogy puts me in the upper like 0.001% of people in terms of what they think about it. Nobody actually thinks that prequel trilogy is good, I don't think. But by simply thinking it's fine, I like it more than everybody else. So an example would be if I'm talking about the prequel trilogy and I'm like, well, look, I know everybody, you know, thinks this and thinks that. It's like, nah, hell with that. I'm just going to cut that part out of my conversation now. I'm just going to talk about it, and if you want to disagree, you go from there, and then we can have a fun conversation instead of me addressing the opposition up front before I've even made my own damn point, if that makes sense. I'm with it. I'm with it. Full agreement. Yeah, you're with it. So let's talk about what you did last week, man. What was your week like? Oh, man. This week has been crazy, dude. Like, ever since I got back from Arizona, it feels like I'm playing catch-up just just with everything. Um, You know, the day job, commissions, commissions. you know, I, I had mentioned on last week's pod that I was doing commissions while like adjustments for, uh, uh, you know, one of my clients on the way back mm-hmm. while my buddy was driving. And I feel like I haven't stopped since then. And uh, so it's not overwhelming, but man, it's exhausting. You know, sure. it's just like, man, I can't wait to get through this 
and uh, kind of just be even Steven with what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I've, I've banged out so many commissions for my ongoing client. Um, yesterday, okay, so yesterday, I've been like, okay, you're going to knock out a page because uh, like I talked about previously, I was in a bit of a rut. I wasn't working as fast as I wanted to be. And I was like, no, you're going to finish one of these pages. By the end of the day, that's what you're going to do. And I was struggling throughout the whole day. I managed to finish a, a panel and a half on uh, one page I was working on. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this, this this panel. Like one is uh, all background with really tiny figures. It's a, a downward shot. And then the last panel is a building. Um, uh, I already drew the characters in that scene but it's also a uh you know a distance shot so you get to see the whole building and you know rubble and this and that and i'm like there's no way there's zero way so i started skimming my uh, thumbnails and i managed to find another page that was pretty much all talking heads and i was like why wasn't i working on this page like why have i been how come this hasn't been a page that's in the rotation because usually talking heads are one of the first pages i like to work on because mm -hmm. it kind of warms me up and once I'm loose, then I jump to other pages that are a little more complicated. So for whatever reason, this one was sitting there. And um, I started working on it maybe around 7.30, uh, you know, 7.38 at night. And I, I penciled out three out of the four panels. And I easily could have finished the last panel. But it was getting late. It was already midnight. I needed to shower and get ready for bed. I had work in the morning. So it's like, you know what? I, I got to stop. And... Um, Unfortunately, what happens on days like that is my brain's going a thousand miles a minute and I cannot sleep. So I was just laying in bed, just trying to sleep, not. And um, I thought I learned my lesson on days like this. It's for me in particular, if your brain works that way, when mine does that, I have to keep working or else the same thing's going to happen. I'm going to lay there for two hours, wasting time, mm -hmm. thinking I'm going to fall asleep, but I will not. So it's like you might as well stay up and work for those two hours, exhaust yourself or finish the page. At least your brain can go, hey, I'm done. Yeah. Now what am I supposed to do? Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to go to sleep. Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, so that was one of the things on my on my list. What, how about you? I don't think I've talked about animals in a long time. And uh, and it deserves a little bit of, of discussion here. I, I suppose one thing that deserves some discussion first is that um, – as hard as it is to believe, it feels like it was it was a year ago. But but the Kadoja Kickstarter only funded eight days ago from the time we're recording this, which is insane. Oh wow! Right? So um, yeah, it, it seems way longer. It seems way longer, right? It seems way longer. Yeah. It, so what I'm doing is I'm just kind of waiting right now because the money hasn't cleared. I know there's some like logistics Kickstarter stuff that I want to get through. And then once that happens, I'm going to send a note to um, to the backers. And so by the time this episode comes out, people will have at least seen that the survey is on the way. And uh, and then I'm just going to, you know, knock out the survey. You and I can talk offline if there are any good questions I can steal or anything like that. But we don't need to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we don't need to do online or, you know, live discussion on that. But um, but yeah, so it, I actually let, let me stop you real quick. I actually have an email, a draft email that I always keep. And I've, I've talked about this previously, that it, it is my questionnaire and I use it every single time. Mm. So I can actually forward you that and see what of that you can use. And, you know, take what you can use, leave what you what you don't need. That'd you know? be fucking wonderful. Bruce man. Lee, Jeet Kune Do that. Take what is useful, <laughs> leave what is useless. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. That, that helps a lot. But I, I also, you know, I want to be aware of the fact that, you know... Kickstarter, like we talked about last week, I think they they kind of say, do this, do that, do that. Deliver on your project. You know, that's really, it's their way of saying like, you know, here's how you deliver on your project because they know that people don't deliver on their projects sometimes. Like, I do want to reach out to the backers a little bit and let them know they're not forgotten. Um, and But also, it's so when we're recording this, I don't want it to be like, I thought about animals this week. And somebody out there might be like, motherfucker, aren't you thinking about the Kadoja book you got to put out? <laughs> like that kind of thing, right? So no, we're thinking about that. The, the art is cranking along on that. I think the I think the pencils will be done and the inks. I think everything's going to be done by like mid-April to end April. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, one thing uh, I'll say for me in particular, as someone who frequently backs Kickstarters, 
don't do too many updates. You know, it's it's totally cool to, to you know keep people apprised of what's going on. Yeah. But if you have really nothing to report, don't feel the need to post an update. That's helpful because I for sure don't read those. Mm -hmm. If I don't see a um, if I don't see art for one, like I like looking at progress art. Art mm -hmm. art's always good, right? Um, PDF links and um, updating when the book is shipping. Those are the things I look out for. Mm -hmm. Anything else, I kind of don't even read. Interesting. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I and and now that I think about it, that's me too. It's like I already backed the project. I'm happy. To, I I can't wait to get it, but I sort of don't care about the other stuff too. So that makes a lot of sense. That makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, but in terms of animals, so the stuff I've been working on with animals, I think I mentioned before that I I finished up the backgrounds of chapter eight <laughs> out of ten out of ten and. The stuff I've I've been thinking about, you know, I've been really trying to get the backgrounds right before I put the treatment down and just just picture it well in my head. And the thing that I was really struggling with that I, I had a breakthrough on and um and and I I believe I know what I'm doing now is the difference between dark and the conveyance of dark. Because this is an art this is the kind of stuff that I, I think I may have wanted to ask you about this like five to eight episodes ago where I said, oh, I'll ask you something next episode if I can't work through it. So there's a difference between dark and conveyance of dark, right? And um, I'm not an artist and I'm starting to learn these kind of things where you can make something seem dark without being overly dark, right? Like if I walk outside right now and I take a photo because it's dark outside, that's going to be an awfully shitty photo. It's going to look terrible. What you can do with art is convey the idea of dark without it being fully dark. Because so many books take place in the dark. So much stuff takes place in the dark. And so what you do is you give it the appearance of dark and you throw dark in there. But you don't necessarily make everything dark and muddy the way real life is. Yeah, I, uh, I ran into that issue when I first started working on the second shift with my colorist, we were both pretty new to the game. He was, you know, he was already really good, but, you know, we, we were caught kind of our, in our infancy when it came to making comics. And one of the opening scenes is uh, one of the main characters, Sarah, she's walking through a park. And he sent me the page, and it was very dark. And he said, I don't see any light sources beyond the moon, so I colored this like it's nighttime and there isn't a lot of light sources. And I'm just like, this is going to print terribly. Mm -hmm. And I've never even printed a book right now. And I could tell you that this is going to be bad. Right. So I said, hey, let's pretend that the moon is lighting up the park pretty well. And and let's pretend there are light sources in the park because, uh, you know, it, it's pretty dark. Yeah. And And so he came back and it was beautiful. I was like, yeah, this is exactly it. And it reminds me of, when you used to watch sitcoms back in the day and a couple would be talking at nighttime in their bedroom in the dark and everything was kind of blue. Mm -hmm. But to you, it was conveyed that they're in the dark, they're talking in the dark, but we can see everything that was going on. Exactly. And that's and that's it. That's the secret for comics too. use blues, use purples and use blacks and use grays. Right. Those are basically some combination of those colors are always going to convey dark. And that was stuff that I struggled with because, again, what I had done for a while to go all the way inside baseball here is I had used, I think I mentioned that I was going to use um, like stock images. And then I was going to put them through a treatment. So I had some pretty great stock images that I liked. And then what I had done was I learned, like we were talking about before, I learned some tutorials on how to take something that's light and make it feel dark. But it was like a 28-step process. And so I got through a couple of them and did them. And I think they look really cool. A few of them actually are going to make the final animals uh, product when, it, when it's all said and done. But then I was like, wait a goddamn minute. Why don't I just look for dark <laughs> instead of looking for like, you know, a certain type of background, that, you know, like so like forest by the ocean, for example. Why don't I look for like midnight forest by the ocean and see how that looks and sure enough i found all kinds of cool stuff there that i'm able to use and i'm able to to plug in and then put through my own processes and then the process begins right because the point isn't just to take stuff and pass it along but rather to put your own flair on it so that was something that i've i've been playing with on and off for the last month or so 
I believe I finally pushed through it. And now at least chapter eight, Albert's working on the end of chapter eight by doing his drawings on top of it. And then I'm going to start ahead with chapter nine in, in a week or two, right? Once I, I, I have a rough idea, I just have to kind of get things done. And to your point, commit myself to doing a page maybe maybe every you know couple days. Um, also to your point, not necessarily since I've been back from that last trip, but the world is picking up. And with the world picking up, and with my wife um, currently in Canada at the moment, I'm doing all the lifting in terms of like the family. And my kid, um, my youngest, is going back to high school two days a week now. And that just started this week. So the commuting's all on me. Um, you know, athletic practice is picking up. That's pretty much on me, although her sisters can drive and that helps out. But stuff's kind of picking up again. And I'm finding myself with, you know, I'm, I mean, I still have a good amount of free time, but it's not the bevy of free time that I had three weeks ago, six weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, whatever it is. Yeah, I ran into a spot of traffic this morning at, uh, on my way into the office, and I'm like, the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I, I didn't care for it, Keith. Yeah, I didn't I know. care for it. And you're like, and then, and then you say, what the fuck is this? And then you remember like, oh, this is exactly how the world was a year ago. Before all this yeah. coronavirus stuff happened. So anyway, so that, that was yeah. like my big first thing. I'm, I'm happy that I punched through it and problem solved it. And it took a very long time. But, you know, the things you learn the hard way are the things that really stick with you. So uh, so that lesson is going to stick with me for a long time. So how about you, man? What else? So my, my second thing uh, dovetails into the first thing. So I was on such a hot streak with that that page last night. Okay, so the plan was... Work all day, bang a page out, start a commission that I've been putting off for, I think, about two to three weeks now. And um, my client agreed on the layout back then, and hadn't I haven't touched it since then. I was just like, yeah, I don't feel like working on this. So I didn't. <laughs> so the plan was, okay, bang out your page, and tomorrow you are going to finish, if not the majority, of, of this, this uh, uh, commission. So I got into the flow, took a, uh, you know, I tapped out early. I was like, you know what? No, tomorrow you're going to finish this page. Like, cause it's, cause you're going to bang it out for sure. You're going to finish this page tomorrow. So I checked my email. Like I took my shower. I laid down for bed. I always check my email right before bed. So when I wake up, I don't have an overabundance in my face. That client emailed me again, asking the status. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm not working on that page tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, so, so that was, that was the next thing. And so right before we hopped on, uh, in between the Lakers eating a bunch of ass, uh, I was, <laughs> I was working, working on that commission and man, it's like, I did, I opened it up. I found the layout that he wanted. And honestly, a large majority of the, the heavy lifting is done except for one thing. So I'm drawing a rattlesnake cobra or a rattle uh, just a rattlesnake not a cobra um i'm drawing a rattlesnake and it has a very particular pattern on the back and it's just such a pain in the ass mm. so i was like oh i remember why i didn't want to work on this yeah <laughs> you know after yeah. i did the layout because because i finished all the easy stuff i did i did the girl it's in the desert so it's not like there's an overabundance going on in the background yeah the only detail that i'm really missing is that snake pattern and that's why I had no, you know, no urgency to work on it. But um, yeah, so that so that was my second thing. Are like, okay, this I'm thinking of this. What what levels of detail do you dread the most? Right, your your snake pattern made me think like there's got to be some levels of detail where you you count on the slack method to push you through sometimes. But man, every now and then you might just be sitting there staring at a page going, this is the only thing I got to do. And this is just going to be a grind and I do not want to do it right now. I think that's number one. Snake is scales. Snake scales, okay. Scales and not just snake scales, like turtle scales or uh, mermaid scales, fish scales, like, because it's a pattern body of whatever animal I'm drawing, it's contorting. So it's not that it's hard to do. It's just kind of monotonous. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's it's not fun. It's not a fun thing to do. So so I would say that monotonous patterns are the worst things. Okay. And then uh, bookshelves. Bookshelves are pretty boring, mm. and you have to try to make them interesting. And I have no interest in bookshelves, and I'm I'm constantly fighting two different artists in my head. Like there's guys like Ryan Otley who draw um, who draw like sparsely detailed backgrounds but they're accurate to like it reads as what it reads as Mm -hmm. so like he'll draw a cityscape and it reads as a a cityscape it's a nice cityscape but there really isn't an overabundance of detail Mm -hmm. there and i I think that's my word for this podcast by the way overabundance Overabundance. okay Uh, i'll I'll have to i'll have to make the episode title something involving overabundance (laughs) the other week it was um Oh, oh god i can't even remember it was like uh somewhat or something like that something like that i think that's what it was a lot of mm. something like that so stupid anyway so um i'm i'm fighting against two artists ryan otley who who does just it's like this is the information that you need you don't need much more of it because it's not the thing that you care about i'm not quoting him or anything but when i look at his art that's what i see he draws badass characters the fight scenes the you know explosions the blood all of that stuff that's very detailed it has a lot of energy and then the backgrounds are just there but it's because he knows that people are there for the characters the fight scene the story of that yep. um and then i'm fighting against uh him versus Sean Murphy who is like mega detail everything you okay. know he draws some of the most intricate backgrounds i've ever seen and they're fucking beautiful and if I don't do that, I feel like like Sean's looking over my shoulder saying, what the fuck, dude? You're bitching out. Exactly. Like, how come you're not going to, you know? So it's just like, oh, God, what do I do here? So it's like I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm doing a little too much. And, um, you know, it could come off as uneven. So I just need to find that balance. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think the, 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 the go-to is Jeff Darrow, right? Is that correct? In terms of the guy who's... The crazy over detailed guy. Oh man, it's so beautiful. It's so so beautiful. You look at it and you're just like, where do you get the energy and the desire to do this? Like I, I I'll see artists that are just super detailed with everything that they do, and I'm just wondering like, how is this entertaining to you? Like how are you staying excited about what you're doing? Like I would, it's just. I don't know. It feels like grunt work to me, you mm-hmm. know, like um, I'll look at Akira books. I got this Akira box set a few months back mm. and I was flipping through the books and man, the detail on the buildings is just, it's tremendous. I'm like, this is another level of art that I will more than likely not level up to mm-hmm. because, because I don't find it interesting to draw. I love looking at it but I do not like to draw it. That, so. that makes a ton of sense though, because that's exactly how I feel writing about the recently deceased, unfortunately, um, one of the writing gods, right? Tony Morrison. So Tony Morrison is um, amazing. Like I, I know she had a ton of mainstream success, but she's also one of those writers, writers, you know, where, where writers just geek out on how much like her shit is so dense and, she makes you work. She makes your brain work. She makes you work for it, man. I have no intention of being Toni Morrison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's not even the vibe I'm going for. So I think, but that's okay. You know, like we were talking about before. Like there's only one Toni Morrison, and I'm just not. I'm not interested in writing prose since we're on. Since I'm, I've switched it back to prose. I'm not interested in writing prose that reads as dense as hers. You know what I mean? Like. She's she does her amazing stuff. There's other people that are like her that really keep their prose thick and dense and chewy. But uh, that's not how I want to go. I want to kind of be like musical and have a flow and have people feel like it's a fast read. Right. That's that's the thing I'm sort of going for. So I think that's normal. Right. Again, it's all part of your style. But I also understand that, you know, just like you might have that that person sitting on your shoulder every now and then I probably have that little Toni Morrison sitting on my shoulder like Keith, did you uh do you try hard enough to make the language in this sentence good? <laughs> you know, like that kind of shit, right? So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I I have a second thing, but I, I want to just piggyback a little bit on the first thing because this just happened. Um, I was taking, I was just taking a shower to chill and uh, you know, just just kind of relax my brain, really, you know. Um, and and of course, there's there's never anything wrong with it with a nice shower. And I started to think, I'm like the fuck am I going to talk about on tonight's episode of making comics? Like I got no fucking idea. Right. And I was like, Oh, I can talk about the animal stuff. And as I was thinking about it, I did have a little bit of a revelation on animals. So I guess this is like a marketing thing. Right. And so I'm going to kind of piece together how my brain worked here. Thing number one was that, uh, so we're, we're completely dating ourselves, but it's okay. Um, today was the day where where that indie darling Keanu Reeves finally got a movie deal for a comic book that he's part of. So, congratulations Keanu Reeves. You've you've been in the indie game for at least a month and and uh and his his hit indie title Berserker apparently which, which, by the way, we were just talking about in the shop the other day, and I grabbed a copy of. So people who listened to last episode will know that that I tacked that on at the end. But, uh, but yeah, Berserker got like option for like a movie, an animated series, all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty much like <laughs> like reiterating exactly what Scott and I were talking about with like sort of what's quote indie and what's really indie. Oh yeah, I got something for to to go on with that. Go ahead, so. man. Talk about it. Okay, so when we were driving back, me and my buddy Ramel, shout out Ramel if you listen to this, I don't think you do, but but either way. So we were just, just bullshitting, and um, I was talking about the podcast and what the last episode we had recorded, which we were talking about indie, what is indie? And he goes, okay, so what'd you guys think, you know, was indie? And so I broke it down for him, like, hey, you know, we got the big two, we got the third party comics, and then we have, like, legit indie. And then he goes, well... You know, I, I don't really agree with that. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, what about, you know, someone, they get signed to a label, but the label doesn't touch anything they do. How is that not indie? They're still working on their stuff. They're not changing anything. You know, how is that not indie? And and, and this was a much longer conversation, by mm-hmm. the way. This is just, you know, the high spots. And um, at that point in the conversation, it was like, it gets frustrating for me sometimes and I and I look back at that conversation and I go, I didn't handle that the best. I just kind of got frustrated and kind of cut him off. And I'm like, look, it, if you wanted someone to agree with you, it's just not me. I don't agree with what you're saying. So because I couldn't I was so angry in my mind that I could not form words properly. So I just cut it off and I said, hey, you know what? We just don't agree on this. Yeah. But um, after thinking about it, Here's here's why that's not correct. Metallica, because he's a music guy, much like you. Yeah. Metallica is more than likely not fucked with by their record label. Case in point, Saint Anger. Because somebody should have fucked with that record and nobody did because nobody wanted to dare step <laughs> on Metallica's toes. Please continue. <laughs> so 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 exactly my point. Uh, you can be the biggest fucking act in the world. No one is going to touch your shit. It doesn't make you indie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're no longer indie because you're under a label. So yeah. our point the other week of if someone's paying for your shit, you're no longer indie. Point, you know, point blank, that's that. There's there's no more talk that needs to be happening. And I think where he was coming from is because he's kind of in the, like... He's kind of in the indie genre. That's the shit he really likes. He yeah. likes a lot of the bands no one's ever heard of. And so I'm sure he was coming at it from a place of like maybe one of his favorite bands got signed or something, but they still do exactly what they did when they were putting their own shit out. Sure. It's like, yeah, that's that's cool. But that happens to a lot of people. And it's just something I didn't stop and think about in the moment. It's like, yeah, yeah. well, no one's fucking with Metallica. They're signed, so are they indie? No, they're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like they're going to do what they want to do because they are who they are. Put any other artist in that in that space, it's going to be the same case. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so I, I have a couple thoughts related to that, which I think are all good thoughts because I, so number one, I'm going to have a thought kind of on the indie comic thing. But I think in, in a way... I don't know what artist is actually compromising themselves at any level. Like people who make pop songs, they like making pop songs. 
you know, most people like Ramel or like me or whatever might deign to call BTS sellouts, right? But like BTS are a bunch of dudes who grew up dreaming of being like the Backstreet Boys and and making music like that and making smash pop hits. Why are they sellouts? That's what they yeah. want to make. Selling out is, I mean, God, we could have 17 podcasts on just what selling out is, right? So because we're in the Metallica space and you mentioned it, I will bring up what is one of the few examples, in my opinion, of actually selling out, which is there is a song Metallica hates. It is the song Escape off the album Ride the Lightning. And the reason they hate Escape is because they had written the album Ride the Lightning and it had seven songs. And at the time, Elektra came to them and said, we would like an eighth song. We'd like you to write it. So they wrote Escape in the studio. And I think they also said we'd like it to be catchy. Metallica writes the song Escape, which incidentally, I love. I think it's a great song. Big fan of the song Escape. Come at me, bro, if you don't like it. But Metallica fucking hates it. They have played it one time ever in their lives. And the only time they played it was at a festival where they had committed to play the album Ride the Lightning in its entirety, right? And before they play it, because I have it on DVD, because that's how I roll, James Hetfield takes three minutes to talk about how much they never thought they would play this fucking song, <laughs> right? So, like, they just... Did they lay that all out Yes, in that, in that concert? So this is... They didn't lay it all out in the concert, but I've pieced it all together because I'm just one of those idiots that's like Metallica Uber fans, like another 50,000 knuckleheads out there. You know what I mean? So like I've pieced it all together. They've laid it out pretty clean for everybody, though. I think, you know, like this is the kind of thing where like they hate the song, but I think the song's still pretty good. And there's lots of people that really like that song. My cousin loves that song and he's the guy who hit me to Metallica. But the point is Metallica hates it because every time Metallica thinks of that song, they think of banging out scratching out a song in the fucking studio because the record label asked them to. So they feel like sellouts for that song. They feel like a fucking sellout. Exactly, exactly. But I think that's so rare. Here's an example of a label pushing somebody to something greater. Sometimes labels push you to a higher place, right? So there's a famous example of the song Soul Man by Sam and Dave, right? Which I imagine absolutely everybody on planet Earth knows of. The thing about Soul Man, it was written in a lower key. We'd like so I think they rewrote it in a higher register. And then the vocalist was like, Man, I, I don't really like this higher register. I gotta push my range to do it. And and the label was like, Trust us, it sounds better, it sounds urgent, everybody's gonna love it. And that is the version of Soul Man that the world fell in love with, right? So like the record label, you know, like you could argue Sam and Dave, quote, sold out because they gave in to like the record label's demands of pushing it into a higher register. But you know what? They were right. Soul Man is like a universally acknowledged hit, you know, damn near almost everywhere you go on the planet. In in that instance, it's kind of like they're working like the editor in comic books. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, look, here's the thing that you're not seeing and that I'm seeing and, you know, take the note uh, and depending, you know, if you're on, let's say you're in image, right? Image comics to get back to comic books. Yep, exactly. I enjoyed that segment, by the way. But um, so to get back to comics, image comics, a lot of creatives will hire an editor just to kind of keep them on track. Hey, keep keep me in my lane. Make sure I'm hitting my deadlines. And if you see something I don't let me know. And at that point, because because you, you're hiring your own editor. You can take the note, <clears throat> excuse me, you can take the note or you can leave the note. Yep. Um, for, for Marvel, I would say Marvel is the instance where it is corporate because there are certain things that creators cannot do with their create their, those creations because they do not belong to them. Mm -hmm. Hey, Superman can't fuck Lois on camera. You can't do that. So trust me, so, you know, the, although there is fan fiction out there that probably has it. <laughs> yes. And you can't put super spy or uh, Batman's dick on, you know, in the books, except for that one black label. <laughs> okay, wait a and minute. And it's worth a pretty penny. Wait a fucking minute. The title of this episode is clearly going to be, you can't put Batman's dick in the books. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. And then it sold out and they, they took it out for the second printing. 
but but it existed. But <laughs> normally you're not supposed to do that. Collect first appearance of it. It really is. <laughs> if you think about it like that, that should be like if someone got it CGC'd. That should be because there's always little notes. <laughs> oh, first appearance of Jim Gordon. You know, first appearance of Batman's cock. Okay, but back to comics a little bit to to the point that Romel makes, and to a point that I actually thought of too. There is a fine line because. You know, as big as Image is, and as much as we don't call them, quote, indie, even though we call them third party. And by the way, again, it bears repeating, we both love Image. It's just they don't fit our definition of indie. The people who make books on indie, you know, so what Image is, all the books are creator-owned. And and that's the appeal of Image, right? That, like, if, if Scott Lost and Keith Foster make a book and they, and they pitch it to Image and Image likes it, then to something that you said before, Image is going to promote it. Image is going to take their cut. Scott, Scott and Keith keep 100% of the rights to their property. And we split the cash, right? Like, that's how this stuff works. But I think that's the distinction between creator-owned and indie. You know, like, yes, yes, I can be an indie creator and so can you and we can pitch our book to Image and Image can carry it. And we're still indie because we're hustling on the indie circuit the same as we always were, except now we have an Image book. And, you know, I've been to Artist Alley and seen all kinds of people, heavyweights, heavyweights that are in Artist Alleys here. And like, that's the difference between being an artist, though, and being a publisher. And when we say indie, what we're really talking about is the publisher as opposed to the artist. Back to Ramel's point, I can see what he's saying, but that would be the difference between, you know, Green Day releasing their first record through an indie label and releasing their second or third record or whatever it is through Warner Brothers or whatever it's going to be, right? Like, that's the difference between indie and not indie. The creator may not change, but the mechanism does. And another thing I laid out for him is you're also thinking of music. You're thinking of comics like you think of music, and it's not the same thing. Yeah. You know, you need, like, uh, I, I was listening to a Rob Liefeld podcast where he was talking about the difference in labels in, in Marvel and DC. So there's, like, a difference between a writer, a scripter, and... um uh, plot, plotter. So each is a different pay scale, and the way and I can't remember it offhand. Go go find it on one of his episodes. But each one is a different pay scale. One is worth way more than the other, and the labels were not what I thought they were. Like the way he described, it, he goes, "No, okay, so when you do this, this is actually this." And what what made me think I knew what the fuck I was talking about was because. I know movies, I, you know, like, oh, this guy is the, the writer or whatever. Oh, this guy did the plot or whatever. So you think of it in in what you think you know from the movies. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. And yeah. that was what he laid out. So, yeah, just the difference between, you know, a comic and a movie and then a comic and music. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, look, this is all English, but we're speaking different languages. Totally, totally. And and that's fine. Like, And again, as someone who I think sort of understands both frameworks a little bit. I mean, shit, you know, I, I am much like I am an indie creator. I am also an indie musician who continues to get royalties from a small indie label when it comes to Big Pimp Jones. I feel like I have a little bit of a read on the on the record side as well. But um, all right, so is it is it time for me to talk about what I was reading this week and, and sort of make a plea? This is going to be a bit of a roundabout point. Yeah. All right, do it. Okay, okay. So <clears throat> I was actually... The reason I was in the shower thinking about something is is because I definitely knew what I wanted to talk about this week, and this was sort of it. And I thought there was more to it. I actually thought I was going to talk a little bit about the book Reincarnation Blues, but uh, but surprise, I talked about that last week, and I had forgotten about that. That is what going from a wired caffeine buzz directly to a good alcohol buzz will do for you. You forget you talked about shit. But there was an audio document of that. And it turns out I did, in fact, say everything I needed to say on Reincarnation Blues. But I want to talk about a book I'm reading right now. And um, and this is one of those cases where it's a book that I both highly recommend, but also makes me want to kind of make a plea to people out there. And I want to pitch my case for a couple things, I suppose. So the book is a book called Grim Death and Build the Electrocuted Criminal. It is a book written by 
Mike Mignola. And um, I can't remember the guy's name, but basically I think I get the feeling that Mike Mignola had a lot of the big ideas and then he left an author to execute those ideas. So it is a very interesting book. I, I'm having fun with it. It is, um, and, and what I did was before I wanted to open my mouth on this podcast, I wanted to track down some interviews just to see if anything was, because I wanted to see what was conscious and what was not conscious in terms of decisions. So Grim Death um, is, is the lead character in the book. And Grim Death is very much a inspired by the shadow by Batman. Um, he has a butler that's kind of like his, you know, his uh, common, you know, his his uh, partner in crime. I guess is lack of a better way to put it. There's there are better way to puts it. Put there are better ways to put it. Here comes the nine point nine nine. There it is. It's like a, what, did, what did I say? We we're going to talk about trash truck or in suck a <laughs> No trash trash truck. That's what I'm going to call myself when I'm starting to get a buzz, as per Scott's recommendation last week. So, um, so yeah, it's it's in the vein of like the shadow, Cato and the Green Hornet, Batman and Alfred, that kind of thing. It is in a lot of ways, it is purposely corny. Right. And and because I'm a fan of that sort of 1920s, 1930s radio serial kind of vibe, I find a lot of this shit great. However, there are a couple parts in like and we're going to we're going to delve a little bit into novels here, which I don't like doing because it's making comics. But I think writing is writing in some ways and it can help. Um, And I think by Mike Mignola going into kind of like hiring an author or collaborating with an author to make this bit of prose, you can start to see where like maybe what Mike Mignola's comics would look like if they had prose to them. And so there's a couple prose elements that kind of tick my sensors. And again, I just want to make a plea to people. Okay. Plea number one has to do with, uh, God, what was the thing I was even going to talk about? It's cliches. Okay. And, and I'm going to shout out my novel teacher right now, Mark Sarvis. I have talked about a lot of other influences, but I have never talked about my own novel teacher, a guy named Mark Sarvis. He's amazing, right? I, I got to at least cite my sources here. And so he's the kind of person that opened my eyes to this through all of the workshops I have. You know, like cliches can be tricky, right? Like we can all name a hundred cliches, but where cliches start to get a little dicey is when something becomes a cliche under your feet. And you don't really know what's happening. As an example, a chill ran up his spine. A chill ran down his spine. That is a cliche. Okay. And it may not be an official cliche, but I can say that like when people talk about a funny feeling in their body, a chill running up or down a spine is generally a way that it gets brought up a lot. So it's like those kind of cliches are present in this book. And for me, because I've been taught to kind of have that perception to that and look for that, I'm going to carry that on and encourage people out there that are writing, even if it's in a script or something like that, like comic scripts or in something people say in dialogue. You know, comics are dialogue heavy and um, and inner monologue light, although you can use thought balloons, obviously. But, you know, it's descriptions, it's interiority where the novel tends to kind of outweigh the comic, if that makes sense. So that's my first little bit that, that, you know, beware of cliches. If you're writing something and it feels like it's been done a lot, try to think of another way to say it. Maybe don't get too creative because when people get too creative, that gets ridiculous. You know, you don't want to say like an army of spiders ran up and down his spine. Okay, that doesn't make any fucking sense. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) try a different body part. Stop with the spine. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the arm. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever it's going to be. Since Stephen King is is like the book version of, of Metallica, where most people can pretty much conjure up a Stephen King reference, Stephen King oh my God, I feel like I should take a drink every time I hear the word goose flesh because that is Stephen King's goosebumps term, obviously. And my God, there are times where it just feels like goose flesh is, is coming at me every page. You know, That's what, I mean? what she said. <laughs> so that's the first bit. The second bit, and so cliches, I think, are a little bit more universally agreed upon than the second thing because I do think that there is a bit of differing opinion on the next thing I'm going to say, which is the use of dialogue tags. So anything involving said or 
what happens after a bit of dialogue to explain perhaps who is doing the dialogue is a dialogue tag. I am a massive opponent of anything other than the use of the word said. And part of this, again, goes back to my teacher, Mark Sarvis. Think about it as as kind of like you're reading a book and you have like, you know, I can't believe you said that, Scott said. Yes, I did, Keith said. You know, fuck you, Scott said. What what seems to be a little bit of a trend is using words other than said to go there. But the use of those words, to me, feels like it's almost like treating the reader like a four-year-old. This is the route with which we travel, comma, Keith explained. Well, of course I'm explaining it. I'm fucking saying it. Like, you can read from the dialogue itself that I'm explaining it. There's one book I read that I don't want to mention where it was like somebody asked a question and the dialogue tag was actually he pop quizzed. That's okay. So that's no good. I, I, yeah, I, so, so I do, I do not mind um, as someone that isn't an avid reader of prose like yourself. I don't mind he explained or he yelled, you know, like I don't, I don't mind that very much. Um, but when it's whatever the last fucking thing you just said, it's like, okay, you get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't get, don't get too cute. Don't get too cute. You know cute. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So. And, and again, so, I mean, and, and, and to your point, Scott, this is exactly kind of where I understand that I'm a little bit in the differing opinion, but I'll, I'll say this as my case, no matter where you fall on this spectrum, you can be a hardliner for said, like I am. You can be kind of like a medium liner like Scott, where a few different synonyms are fine, but there are some where it's like, please stop being too cute. You know, the nice thing about said my again, this started with me saying I'm kind of making a plea. My case for said is said is the one dialogue tag that is almost invisible to readers. People just gloss over said. And that's the best thing about said. People don't even notice it. And, and if you do notice it, it's probably because the author is making a point for you to notice it for whatever reason. So anyway, that's that's basically my thing on that. You know what I mean? Again, I don't want to spend too much time on prose because it's comics. But I do think in some ways some of this might make its way into comics somehow more the cliches than the dialogue tags. No, I, th- I think this is all great, actually. I, I think it's it's fantastic. And if you have more, then go on it. Um, so with that said... Scott explained. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about use overusing the character's name in comic dialogue bubbles? Because I have a very thin line with it. Like, during a conversation, I don't tend to use... Like, I won't say your name when you and I are having a conversation. Because yeah. you and I are the only people in the room. So, But for comic books, I understand... Maybe at the beginning of the conversation um, or, you know, a little bit, you know, like they start the conversation and then you say the name as an exclamation in, in, in a, you know, whatever, whatever the dialogue they're talking about. But how do you feel? Because I've noticed that some writers overuse names in conversation and some do not. Where do you fall on that? one? Okay, so where I fall, I mean, that's that's a cool question to ask, actually. I think I think there's there's one case that we sort of talked about before. And, um, and this, in a way, this goes back to animals because something I'm super interested to hear back from Mike on when it comes to the animals read that he's doing is how the hell I'm going to convey conversations with people where neither of them are a talking head on the page. You know what I mean? Like I, I have no intent to have Albert or anybody draw a talking head on every single page so we can make it clear who sang the dialogue, right? Like there is, there are a few chapters of animals where absolutely everything is quote unquote overdubbed. Animals is a color book. I can differentiate that through color balloons. So I should be okay. My general thing is, you know, to your point, Scott, I agree for the most part. I think that I don't, I mean, I just said to your point, Scott, Right. But I think that's more natural as opposed to, damn it, Scott, blah, 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 you know, or Scott, I can't right. believe we're making comics here. Yeah. And, and through our whole conversation, I think that was the first time you've said my name when you're speaking. Yeah. So it's kind of like use it once in a while and, and uh, you know, not all the time. Yeah. But, oh, go ahead, anyway, but, anyway, but go. I will say this, that there is a little bit of a use for it because I have a good friend of mine. 
and I'm not going to name him. Um, and plus, there's no fucking way he listens to this podcast that that uses people's names a lot. That's just how he is. So, I mean, I will say that I will I will allow it if it's someone's character quirk or if it's a cool mm. quirk that makes that character defined. And to, to be full disclosure, I have a character in my novel that does that that fancies addressing people by names for a lot of their dialogue, but that's who they are. That's how they address people. They just use people's names as a part of their dialogue. It would, it separates the way he talks to me, the way uh, versus the way other people do. So yeah, if, if you're doing it to be like over clear, if you're over relying on using people's names and dialogue, try to think of another way to differentiate them through the dialogue through how they deliver the dialogue you know maybe there are certain words they use maybe there's a certain way that they um phrase their sentences maybe their sentences are a bit the end in front a la yoda for lack of a better way to put it you know some people just generally talk like that obviously they don't talk like yoda but they might kind of have a natural cadence or flow to their sentences and I think that's a much better way to try to differentiate the way people talk. I mean, if you wrote down how Scott talks and how Keith talks, you're going to see differences. And and something Scott and I have talked about offline is my propensity to use the word right at the end of a sentence, you know, which I am <laughs> trying to work on. Trust me, people. But that's the kind of thing where if you want a quick, easy way to differentiate Scott and Keith, have some sentences every now and then end in right with a question mark, right? Because that way, and I just fucking did it, because that way you know that Keith is the one that's speaking. Does that make sense, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Well, I think that was it, right? So anyway, that was that was my yeah, plea on that. Um, what else did you have? Um, I think that was it, to be honest with you. I, I, I probably had more and I was really supposed to write it all down, but I definitely didn't because I was like, Hey Scott, you have a great memory. You're going to remember all of this. <laughs> and so I didn't write it down. And so I do kind of remember those two things. Um, and that's about it. Uh, you know, unless it comes up in the last, if it pops into my head in the last in 30 seconds here, then, then I'll say it. But if not, I think, I think we're good to go. Yeah. I, I try to make a point of writing all my shit down mainly because, Hey, look at that. It's a 9.99% alcohol beer totally consumed. Yeah, we do. We do seem to have a tendency to drink on this podcast. So, yeah, I'll make sure I do that next time. We structure our drinking around this podcast to allow for a a fucking incredible conversation. (laughs) Who are we kidding? (laughs) Okay, man. So, uh, So, yeah, in terms of social media... You can find me at Keith underscore decibel um, on Instagram. That is me just posting records, posting comics, posting maybe where I am. And if I found a good cup of coffee or a good beer somewhere or a good book somewhere. And then there's at Kadoja Kaiju, which is all things Kadoja. And I am at Scott Lost on Twitter and Instagram, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yep. And then in terms of websites, KeithRFoster.com is my site. I do have a Kadoja page, which is slash Kadoja, which um, again, I'm looking to update and get some more stuff there, but I'm happy to say that it will have aged pretty well here, but I just put a post up today on KeithRFoster.com. It was a, a bit of a close read on the beginning of the Highsmith novel, Strangers on a Train, because it can't always be horror. And I talked a little bit about how effective that opening conversation is in that novel and how it sets the tone for it. So that's the kind of stuff you're interested in. That and other things like it are on KeithRFoster.com. And you can go to AccidentalAliens.com if you're interested in looking at the books that I do. Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans, A Thousand Years in the Future. We start colonizing other planets and come across the planet Melisanda where the dinosaurs of that world survived and evolved. So two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet. Will that work? It never does. And then second shift, a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night. If you're into people bussing tables, working at comic stores and fish world, AKA sea world, that was my first job. Um, and then fighting superheroes and super villains that are super badass. Go to AccidentalAliens.com and look for those two titles. And if you're interested in shooting us an email and want to ask us some questions, feel free to do so at MakingComicsPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. 
And that's going to do it for this week, man. So I've probably yeah. queued up the music by now. So we're going to ride this right. on out, man. And then don't, if you're in San Diego, go to SoCal Comics. Yes. You can pick up our books there as well. Kadoja's there now. It's got its own spinner rack in one of the rooms. Uh, the Accidental Aliens, we also have our own spinner rack there. If you don't even want to buy our books and just check out that store because they're awesome, uh, you know, let Jamie know we sent you. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Yes. And by the way, they don't have dollar comic bins. They have a dollar comic room. So yes, they do. check out SoCal Comics, Accidental Aliens, Kadoja, Dollar Books. What more do you need? We'll see you next week. Hey, did you did you watch uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Hold on, can I? You want to be hit stop? Or are we hitting stop? Or are we just gonna go post credit no. on it? You can put this on. Yeah, post credit. I I did I did watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. What what did you think? All right, if you guys haven't watched the episode, why are you listening to this part? So I have I have mixed feelings about the episode. I thought there were some really cool parts to it, some stuff that I really liked, but I thought overall I was a little bored at times. Unfortunately. I found myself looking at the clock, seeing how much time I had left, which is never a great sign in my opinion. Um, and I had great atmosphere. I turned out the lights. It was nighttime. The house was completely dark. It was me. My dog was sleeping. And um, yeah, the opening scene w- was pretty badass with Falcon. Like I thought that was really cool. That scene the, was the shit. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, it was. Great way to open up an episode. Um, the Winter Soldier uh, Bucky with his flashback scene that was fantastic. I really enjoyed Bucky's storyline, but I will say I did not enjoy Sam's. Like the stuff with his family, it's just so boring, so so boring to me. He kind of seemed like a dick about it. Like his sister seemed like she wanted to move on with her life, and he was like, "No, this is our family boat." It's like, "All right, bro, you buy the boat." She exactly. does not want to. She doesn't want to run it anymore. Look, I just, she doesn't want I just to, want to sell it. this fucking boat for like tens of thousands of dollars to stake me into something else, right? Is so what else right. what else did you not like? You didn't like the kind of inserted family drama perhaps. Cuz it just wasn't it, it he just seemed like a dick. He seemed unlikable like to me. Cuz it was clear what the sister wanted to do. She didn't want any part of it. She just wanted to move on with her life. Her life hasn't been great. Mm-hmm. And he's an Avenger. And here he is like, no, no, these are our family memories. It's, dude, read the room. She doesn't want to do this. <laughs> so, but I would say beyond that, I liked the cliffhanger at the end, um, which was ruined for me, by the way, which I admonished one of my friends. So I'm in, I'm in a little Who's comic that group chat. Who's that friend? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say. that friend. I want to get him a tar and feather when, in when the did, streets. When did they ruin it? What time of day? On they it? ruined it two days before I watched it, which was only two days after it came out. Okay. And I had a crazy busy week. Uh, there's about four of us in the group chat. So we talk comics, usually comic books specifically. We'll talk comic shows if they come up. Um, you know, one guy asked, hey, what do you think of the ending? And then, you know, I, and I've been swamped. So I hadn't had a chance to look at it, but I saw the text come through mm-hmm. saying, I'm pretty sure it's U.S. agent. And I'm just like, cool. Well, there's that. There it is. So yeah, you, yeah. So there's no way around it. It's like, okay, well, fucking. There's a fake Captain America at the end, yep. or there's just straight up USA agent at the end. Yep. Um. So I admonished on, admonished him. He apologized. So it's not, you know, we're still friends. He's not dead. Um. Shout out, <laughs> shout out, Steve. If you're listening to this, you're all right. Steve, with me. you're not dead. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. I did not kill you. Yeah. Um, I did not kill you like Falcon was killing those dudes at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But that's it. That's it. Those are my only, uh, that was my only issue was probably Sam's personal life. Okay. So for me, you know, this is going to be one of those cases where kind of like WandaVision, I, um, 
You know, I'm not I'm not one of these dudes that's just really interested in uncovering the comic backstory. This is where it kind of gets into like comic nerd Twitter versus the real life. And you know, with all these Marvel things, the reason that Marvel gets to just do all these amazing shows is because they have a fucking century of Marvel comics basically to pull source material from. So to me, I don't really geek out on the fact that like, oh, they pulled this storyline from this from 1988. They pulled this storyline from that. I sort of don't care. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm definitely not well versed enough in Marvel comics, nor do I kind of care to be, um, to really want to unpack all those things and understand which way that I want them to go. I mean, I have a definite rooting interest if there's going to be a big arc in the future Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm going to give a hint. It rhymes with Galactus. For me, it's I'm going into all these things cold. In fact, I didn't even see all the damn Marvel movies that led me to understand what the fuck Falcon and the Winter Soldier is. I didn't see Civil War. Um, I didn't. Whoa. I don't think I even saw the first Captain America. I holy th- shit. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of shit I didn't even see because, like, whatever. I, I mean, I didn't see... And those two were great. The, no, I mean, I heard they were. They're they're hanging on yeah, the Disney fantastic. Plus forever, for whenever I want to watch them. My perspective on this is just totally cold. And I thought everything was fine. From my outsider point of view, I suppose if I'm getting to the U.S. agent spoiler, my thought is this six... If this six-episode series does not end with Sam being Captain America... I'll be shocked. This right. this this is one of those. So what I'm what I'm looking at it more as is where's the writer puppeteer strings in this thing? By that token, I feel like Bucky's arc is the more interesting arc in this series because I have no idea what it's going to be. Where I feel like Sam's arc is going to start here and end with him being the new Captain America. So that part seems predictable to me. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, even with Vision and Scarlet Witch, it, it like that pretty much ended where a lot of people thought it was going to end. It was going to end as some sort of thing that makes her some sort of villain in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which was the consensus, which was pretty easy to see from the jump. Um, the fact that we got a nice a nice twist there and that white vision is back and that that means we get to enjoy some vision somehow. And it might be some combination of like, you know, the, the robot vision and the completely emotional, cool, like fully sentient vision that that'll be a fun thing to unpack. But that's kind of the way I see it here, right? One of the arcs feels pretty predetermined and one of the arcs feels totally organic and just that I have no idea where it's going to end up. So by definition, that's the one that's more interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And uh, even with the whole, uh, what what story arc are they pulling from, you know, from the Marvel comics? Honestly, that used to be interesting. That used to be exciting, like, 15 years ago. But it's, hey, we've had 15 years of it. So it's it's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal anymore. I was just talking with one of my buddies. Um, shout out, Nick. You probably don't listen to this, but he he was talking about um, the DC movies. He goes, "Hey, have you seen Justice League yet?" Which I have not. This you mean the Zack Snyder cut? No, I haven't either. I, I mean, like, when the hell am I going to have four hours? <laughs> you know, like, dude, oh my gosh, that's what I told him. I was like, "Look, man, I've been swamped. I watched Falcon and uh, uh, you know Winter Soldier because it was quick. Yeah, I mean, forty five minutes to an hour quick, but not four hours. I was like, isn't it crazy that I still haven't even seen Birds of Prey? And I heard that was actually pretty decent. And he goes, please watch it. And I'm like, you know, it's a, a you know, a spoil of riches. Yeah, with, exactly. With all of our comic properties. There's a couple of DC movies I've never even seen. It's like and TV shows. It's like, oh, I'm seasons behind on you know, a lot of their shows that I actually enjoyed. So yeah, it's just an embarrassment of riches when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice world to be in. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the, if you're a comic nerd. Yeah. We're still in quarantine here, people, you know, despite what some, some places seem to think coronavirus is still pretty serious. And even though I'm fully vaccinated, I'm still going to wear a mask everywhere and I'm still going to be, very mindful of places where people are are having, uh, shall we say, differing opinions on what masks are. <laughs> yeah. So to me, in this, you know, current, in fact, coronavirus world, 
I'm thrilled to have a new Marvel episode every Friday, pretty much. I mean, I know the two-week layoff between WandaVision and Winter Soldier was uh, was a bit short, but, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, Fridays are pretty chill for me. You know, I'm married. I got a family. I'm, I'll, I'll take any incentive on a Friday that I, can, that I can have. You know, Friday means 45 minutes of TV with my wife and my family, so I'm cool with that. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm cool with just keep on rolling here. I, th- I think the I, – I like it. It's, it's fun. To your point, embarrassment of riches, I'll, I'll figure out how to fit, fit in – um, Zack Snyder's Justice League at some point. <laughs> Look, I said before, man, I'm not the biggest superhero person. I've never seen Justice League. In fact, I'm not sure I've seen any Zack Snyder DC films. So for me, <laughs> I just get to go into this completely cold and view it as its own organic, fresh, original thing because I have absolutely no story and nothing to unlearn. You know, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it in chunks. I might watch a. Uh... Because I, I can't, this is something I actually want to pay attention to. Uh, my best friend said this is the best DC movie he's ever seen, mm-hmm. which that bar is very low. Yeah. Like the DC movies for a large majority suck. Yeah. Like the only two good ones is Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Aquaman's a popcorn flick. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's the number two best DC movie is a popcorn flick. The first Wonder Woman. Yes. The first Wonder Woman is the, the only Wonder good Woman. DC flick and the second Aquaman. I'm right there with you. It's, it's like, yeah. it's like Michael Bay's first Transformers film. It's like, whatever. I know it's kind of stupid, but whatevs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, and to your point, I'll, I'll happily grab a big old large popcorn and watch Aquaman and watch, uh, the sound of music lady voice a kaiju at the end. Right. Yeah. And, and then the, um, the weekly stuff like WandaVision to, uh, you know, Sam and Bucky, it's like, it's, it's one show, you know, and we're just in a different era. It's not like when you and I were kids where it was like, you had Thursday night or you had Friday TGI Friday. Yep. If you didn't watch it on Friday, you missed TGI Friday that week, and so your friends were talking about it. You don't know what's going on, exactly. But it, we're in a different we're in a different era now. Yeah. You know, it's just like we watch this when we can. I I appreciate, as do a lot of my friends, the one week rollout, yep. like they did with Mandalorian, yep. WandaVision, and now this. It's like this is the this is the way TV should be. Yep. To be honest with I'm you, I'm with you. The studio gets more bang for their buck that we're talking about this one episode all week long with our friends. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, did you watch it? Not yet. Okay, let me know when you watch it, you know, and then so you don't talk that day, but you talk to another guy that day about yeah. it. And so all week long, everyone's talking about a Disney property. So that's the move, you know, yeah. like I- I'm for it. And to your point, war in quarantine. I wish Netflix would have done this with all their shows. And in a weird way, mm-hmm. I think some of the shows that were a little lacking in quality might have had a different opinion of the quality of their episodes show to show had they been forced to like earn people's eyes every Friday. I'm looking at you, Iron Fist, you know, where like I, I stuck with Iron Fist season one and I like it because I'm an Iron Fist sucker, but like Mm -hmm. those for, you know, it's a slow series and it takes a while to grind through. And like, if you didn't have all eight right there, you may not have pushed through it, you know, where like, if if you're if you're forcing people to stay interested week to week, I think that changes the way you write it, you know. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man, we should wrap yeah. this up because we are we are clocking in pretty yep, good. For sure, man. Yeah, man. All right, dude. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, staying for the extra stuff. Yes. We'll see you guys next episode. We did not talk basketball. <laughs> I mentioned Lakers once.